growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. As we have made our way through the general letters, there is one more basic that we have not covered yet. Faith, hope, love, judgment. Judgment? Where does that come from? Faith, hope, and love. When talking about God, those three basics just sound good together. But as we're going to hear today, there is another basic that may not sound as if it goes with those other three basics. But it does. Faith, hope, love, man, that, that sounds good. I, I can get my mind around that. that I, I, can, I, can, I can get used to that idea. It sounds good. But judgment? Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're coming to the end of our series, Building on the Basics. For over a year now, we've been making our way through the New Testament books of James, 1st and 2nd Peter, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, talking about the basic components of our spiritual lives, faith, hope, and love. Today we come to the book of Jude to take a look at one more basic that may not sound as if it goes with the other three, but it does. I'm talking about the basic of judgment. Understanding God's judgment, why He judges, and when He judges are obviously important. A biblical understanding of judgment is a basic of a healthy relationship with God. Fortunately for us, because God is a loving, perfect God, then His judgments are never skewed. Ours can be a little skewed sometimes. As Pastor Clay is going to explain today, Jude lists three examples from the Old Testament where God brought judgment. As we'll hear Pastor Clay say in just a moment, the actions that brought God's judgment may have been different, but they were all the result of the same problem. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. When we started this series that we're currently doing, entitled building on the basics, walking through each of uh, the letters in the New Testament that are referred to as the general letters or the general epistles. As we've walked through each one of them, with the exception of the book of Hebrews, which is also considered part of the general letters, uh, but because of its length, it just had to be done as a standalone message at some point. But as we have walked through each one of these Uh, books. We've looked at certain basics that I believe apply or should apply to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And I said, even when we started this 13 months ago, that there would be some overlap in the books and and in the subject matter, the basics that we would be covering. And there has been. But predominantly, as we've walked through the books, we've seen some different ideas. Uh, For instance, when we started this series, we started in the book of James. And we began with the basic of faith and how to act on it as we walk through the book of James. And my prayer has been throughout that study and has continued to be throughout this series that your faith has grown as a result of walking through the book of James who has so much to say about faith and that you are to a greater degree able to act on your faith. Uh, we'll have some more to say about that in, in, uh, in a few minutes, but, uh, but that's been my prayer, is that, that your faith is stronger as a result, so that no matter what circumstances come or whatever, that, uh, that you have a greater faith as a result of our study through the book of James. Then we looked at the books of First and Second Peter and the basic of hope and how to live in it. By the way, all of these messages uh, are provided online, uh, both audio versions and video versions. Uh, if you, if you want to get a podcast sent to you, 
weekly, you can do that. Uh, you can see my brother Rick Freeman back there about how to get signed up through iTunes or whatever other means we might have. Um, but so you can always go back and listen to messages. But we look, walk through the basic of hope, what that hope is, why we have hope in Jesus Christ, and why that hope should make a difference, not only about the hope I have for, for heaven, but eternity. Do you all have, have a hope like that? But that hope that, that, that impacts my life here and now. And then, of course, we spent a significant amount of time walking through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the basics, the basic of love and how to walk in that love. Faith, hope, love. They sound good together. They go good together. We even saw it in in the 9-11 tribute video this morning. It's just something about faith, hope, and love that just, that just sounds like that. Yeah, that, that should be the basics of our faith. But as we have made our way through those general letters, those part of the New Testament known as the general letters, there is one more letter that we have not covered yet, and therefore one more basic that we have not covered yet. Faith, hope, love, judgment. Judgment? That's whack. Judgment? Where does that come from? Faith, hope, love. Man, that, that sounds good. I, I can get my mind around that. that I, I, can, I, can, I can get used to that idea. It sounds good. And, and I, I'm pretty sure everybody wants a strong faith. I, I'm pretty sure that everybody wants hope for their life. I know that everybody wants to love like God loves. That idea of love that we discuss so much of. And wants to be loved in that way. I don't, I don't think a single person would say that they didn't want that for their life. But judgment? Clay, we could have guests here. They're hearing you talking about judgment. I mean, that, that doesn't, faith, hope, love, yeah, that, that'll sell all day. But judgment, that doesn't sell too well. Can I just give you a little tidbit right here that might help you when you're sharing with a person or telling your story or, or whatever the case may be. I've got it up here for you on the screen. We don't have to uh, sell people on the truth we just have to tell people the truth that's all we have to do understand it's God that draws people unto himself it's God who does the saving it's 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 God who does this work in a person's heart you and I you know what we do we share we share verbally we share hopefully with our actions our our attitudes by the way thanks to everyone who was able to make it out and help in public safety day yesterday I know the mix up in dates probably caused some of y'all to not be able to be there but thank you so much for coming and serving and it, it, was, it was a blessing and, and ministered to our community and got our name recognition out there a little bit. And hopefully that uh, will have its impact as well. But, but that's, that's part of, of what it is to tell people the truth of God's word. So today we come to faith, hope, we walk to faith, hope, love, and now judgment. It may sound out of place, but it's not. It actually is a basic that we have to understand about our God and about our relationship with him. By the way, can I say this before we're going to read the text? Can I say this? Because I know that it's, it's just so culturally improper today to talk about judgment, isn't it? Or to talk about being judgmental. Oh, you're being judgmental. You're judging. You're... And yet, can I remind you that judgment ju- is such a common part of our everyday lives, isn't it? Think about it. How, how, do you, how do you pick the kind of the restaurant you're going to go and eat at? You make a judgment call, don't you? I like their burgers better than their burgers. If you're a parent, 
and your child does something that you do not approve of, are you not making a judgment on their action? And do you not probably bring some consequences to that action? Is that, is that judgment? Sure it is. Do police officers, are they called to, to make judgments on the speed that you're driving down the road? Or the manner in which you do this or, or that based on the laws that are in the land? And so, so the idea of judging is not really so crazy. It's actually part of our culture and who we are. Fortunately for us, because God is a loving, perfect God, then his judgments are never skewed. Ours can be a little skewed sometimes. Y'all, have y'all ever done this? I did this for my kids. I know, like, I'm sure I did this to Travis at some point. What? You didn't clean up your room? You're grounded for six months. You know, it's, maybe it's a little overboard, right? But I'm angry and I'm like, oh, you, <laughs> right? But we might, we might sometimes, but, not, but never God. God's judgments are always true. They're always right, and they're ex- always exactly what they're supposed to do. We're in the book of Jude. Uh, turn there. Jude, the last book in the New Testament, the last book in the Bible before the Revelation. The Jude, who is the author of this book, is the brother of James. He is, therefore, like James, the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother because they have the same mother, But while James and Jude and their other siblings uh, were uh, procreated through the relationship between Mary and Joseph after they were married and came together, Jesus came into existence apart from Mary and Joseph coming together, being born of a virgin. Impossible, I know, Unless he is God, in which case it would be quite rational to think that God could accomplish that since nothing is impossible for God. Matthew nineteen twenty six, Faith, hope, love, judgment. I said a moment ago they may sound out of place, but they're not. All right, we're going to dig in and look at it. Jude, beginning in verse 1. There's only one chapter beginning in verse 1 this morning. The text is on the screen also. Uh, Let's see how far we get in this this morning. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. In other words, uh, Jude says, I, I, I was intending to write to you about this grace that we have, this, this common salvation, and the Spirit of God led him to write about something else. Verse 4, here's why. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. 
just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they do not know by instinct like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild Waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lust. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, halting even the garment, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God, it's a lot, I know, to read all of that this morning. Uh, I know it's distracting in here because it's warm, but I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and lives this morning to realize the truth of your word and make application for our lives. God, use me as you would choose to do. Speak to each person. I don't know where each person is in their life here. I don't know what what they think of the idea of judgment and of your judgment. But God, may may we realistically, soberly approach what Jude is saying here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me... uh, let me start with the overarching idea uh, that we'll start this morning and, and finish uh, next time. It, it is this. Here's the overarching idea that we're looking at this morning. Uh, we've got to learn from judgment in the past. That it's very, very important that we learn from judgment in the past. Now, let me say this uh, as we're talking about judgment here. There are two uh, aspects, you could say, two aspects of God's judgment. There is what you could call temporal 
judgment where God would bring judgment on a particular situation or on a particular person or on a particular nation as a result of some action uh, in this world. It is, an, it is a judgment that comes right here and now. That would be temporal judgment. And then there is, of course, eternal judgment, which is yet to come and that Jude alludes to. It is yet future. And Jude gives us three examples of God's dealing with, in judgment with uh, people in the Old Testament. He gives us three examples of him dealing with people and bringing judgment on a people. Okay? You with me? Three examples. We're going to look at least one this morning. And, it, and he starts, interestingly enough, with his own people, with Israel. It starts like this. Israel is guilty of the rebellion of unbelief toward God. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And we're gonna, you're going to see this when we pick it back up as we go in to the angels and Sodom and Gomorrah. Those are the other two examples that he gives. But what's interesting about it is they're all three guilty of different actions. But in, but in reality, they're all guilty of the same sin. It's always the same sin. Are you, under, you hear me? It's always the same sin when God's judgment comes. It is rebellion. Rebellion against God will always bring judgment from God. Now, God is the one who decides how and when and why and, you know, all that kind of, that stuff can be left to God. That's fine. But you can mark it down. You can bank on it. Rebellion against God will bring judgment from God. Israel rebelled against God because of their unbelief, their unwillingness to believe God, to move forward in what God had for them. The story uh, actually is, is found in uh, Numbers chapter 14 that Jude makes allusion to here about the nation of Israel and, and what the event that took place and what carried on. Now, here's what I, what I think is really important for us to take note of here in this, in this judgment. This first judgment that Jude begins with really shows uh, this truth. Let me, let me show you the, the scripture uh, reference in... Uh, uh, no, go back. Uh, I'm sorry, go back to the... Go back. Go back. Yeah, Acts chapter 10. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. You know what he's saying? Hey, a people, a nation can call themselves a nation of God, a nation under God. But that does not mean that God will not bring judgment upon a people, a group of people, a nation, whoever it might be, when they begin to take an action that is rebellious toward God. It really shows that. Let me set the scene for you. Here's what it looks like. Israel has been in captivity for 400 years in, in, in Egypt. God has miraculously delivered them from bondage in Egypt a place where they were used and abused and oppressed and mistreated. And God brings them out of there through a series of miraculous events, and he brings them to the very edge of the promised land. Y'all have heard that term, right? Brings them to the very edge of the promised land. Now listen, here's why it's called the promised land. Because it had been promised to them for hundreds and hundreds of years. This wasn't anything new. That's what we're going to keep in mind when we see what their reaction is here in a moment. They have heard this their entire lives. This goes all the way back to their forefather Abraham. Y'all have heard of him? 
This goes all the way back to Abraham and this promise that God made to Abraham and then to Abraham's son Isaac and then to Isaac's son Jacob and on down through generation after generation this promise had come that I'm going to prepare a land for you that you're going to go into this land and you're going to enjoy this land you're going to live at peace as I, as I go before you and put down your enemies and you're going, to, you're going to live in houses that you didn't have to build yourself and you're going to enjoy grapes from vineyards you didn't have to plant yourself I'm going to do this for you thus says the Lord I promise promises to you I'm going to give it to you generation after generation after generation after generation has heard of this promise oh and by the way besides that they had each one of them personally just experienced the miraculous power of God working first through the plagues of Egypt how God worked in the nation of Egypt to to turn Pharaoh's heart to try and turn Pharaoh's heart to try and turn Pharaoh's heart and there's miraculous plagues. And then in the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea on dry land. Y'all remember that story? It's the power of God worked in a powerful way. When Charlton Heston did his hands like, no, I mean, Moses did his hands like that. And y'all remember that story? Through the supernatural destruction of the entire Egyptian army, unarguably the most powerful army on earth at that time, wiped out in a single move. Every one of them had just experienced that. They'd heard the promises. They'd seen the power of God. They get to the edge of the land and God says, all right, guys, here it is. Here's the land I promise you. It's time to go in. Well, maybe maybe we ought to send some spies in. Let's send in 12 dudes, one from each tribe, representing each tribe so we get a fair, you know, imbalanced thing. Let's let them go in. They can scout it out, see how it is. So they go in. Spies go in, and God says, all right, send them in. And they go in, and they come back out, and they say, wow, it's just like God said. Man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and and it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. But, sorry if this offends you, there's always a big but when people begin to rebel against God. But, oh my goodness, the the people, they're like, like giants in land. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and their cities are so strongly fortified and there's no way in the world we can ever defeat these people. They've heard it for generation after generation. God, hey, God's promises. Hey, God's going to give us, hey, God's going to do this. God's going to do this miraculous work. And look what God has done. Look how he delivered us out of Egypt. And look how he did this. And 10 of the 12 bring back a negative report, right? Only two, Jacob and, and Caleb, bring back a positive report. But ten bring back what, what really is one, one negative report. After all the promises, after all the evidence, after all of that, one bad report, and look what the people's response is in Numbers chapter uh, 14, when they say, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And they're not tears of joy, folks. All the sons of Israel, all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. You see, here, here's, here's, do you see the unbelief? Here's the unbelief. They failed to have faith and to follow God. They refused to have faith and follow God. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. This is critical for your life. Are you listening to me? They refused to have faith and follow God. By the way, 
Do you know that God gave them exactly what they asked for? What did they say? Oh, it would it'd just be better if we just died right here in the wilderness. All right. Turn around. God said, just like a, listen, this is what you've done. If you're a father, you've done this. You, you, you've said this and something like this. You Turn around, go back out. You're not going in. You refuse to believe me. You refuse to follow me. So I refuse to let you go into this land that I have prepared and promised to you for generations and generations. And every single one of you, besides Jacob and Caleb, every single one of you from the age of 20 up will die before the people will go in this land. Can y'all do, can y'all whistle? But listen, this is no rebellion. It's rebellion of unbelief. I, no. And if you're familiar with the story, do you know what Israel did when God pronounced judgment on them? Oh, 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 we're sorry, God. Oh, we're so sorry. We'll go in the land now. And God said, no, you won't. No, you won't. See, rebellion against God brings the judgment of God. They refused. And God's judgment came as a result. And these are God's people. These are the people that he, that, that he had promised to bring the Savior of the world through. God truly is no respecter of persons. He brings judgment where he has to bring judgment on the people. And that's what he did. Listen, we can sit here, and I'll bet y'all would say that's right or amen to every one of these, right? Because listen, the, the, the people living in the land... The land that God had promised hundreds and hundreds of years before. This is marked off for the nation of Israel. The, the people who actually were squatters. They were, poaching on, they were poaching on land that God had given a long time ago to Abraham and his descendants. They, they, they were strong. Their cities were uh, strong. Their, their armies were mighty. But what is that to God? Is, is there some peepee, people that can, get, that can defy God? Is there a city too strong for, for God to, to bring down? Is there an army mightier than God? Are you listening to me? Is there an army mightier than God? I'll bet you that if we had to put that question to the nation of Israel, every single one of those questions, I guarantee everyone would say, no, no, God is, is stronger than any people. God is, is stronger than any city. God is stronger than any army. I'll bet they'd have said, said They'd agreed with us about every single one of those statements. But here was the problem. Their, their feet refused to follow where the, what their mouth was saying. They said they were the people of God. They said they were following God. They said they would go with God until God brought something to their life that looked a little too scary to them. Looked a, too, a little too big for them. And it's rebellion. The rebellion of unbelief. The failure. The refusal, really, to have faith. And follow God. I am so tempted to say, what is wrong with them? What is wrong with them? They, they saw the locusts and the river turn to blood and the, all the various miracles. They, they'd seen the water part and the Red Sea dried up. And they, they'd seen all this. They'd heard all these promises. What is wrong with them? How could they not... Follow God at that crucial, at the exact moment that generations of Israelites have been waiting for. How could they not do that? I'm so tempted to say something like that until I remember. How many times have I heard the promises of God? How many times have I read the thousands of years of the promises of God? 
How many times have I seen the power of God at work in my life or in the life of a church or in, the, or, or in your lives? How many times have I seen it time and time again? And yet, when the moment came to step forward and to follow in faith, how many times have I been unwilling to, whoa, 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 now, wait a minute, God. Are you sure about this one? You know what I'm saying? What about you? Let me just ask this and we'll close. What about you? Where are the places in your life? Now listen, forget about everybody else sitting around you right now. Where are the places in your life where you have refused to follow God because of unbelief? Is it, is it in an area of ministry? Is it in your finances? Is it in, your, uh, uh, in, in the raising of your children? Is it in career decisions? Is it in, where, where, where is it happening in your life where you're refusing to follow God because of unbelief? Well, Claire, are you, are, you saying, are you saying that God's judgment could be on me? That God's judgment can, could come on me if, if I refuse to follow God with something in my life or share my faith or, or, or whatever it might be? Are you saying that God's judgment could come on me? Hey, hey, I'm just the messenger boy. Don't shoot me. I just deliver the message that God communicates in his word. And this I can communicate to you. The people of Israel, the chosen people of Israel, the people of God refused to believe God by stepping forward in faith to something he had promised them that he would do. They rebelled against God and the judgment of God came. Whether that could happen in your life, I'll leave that between you and the Lord and a discerning spirit. Well, as we heard Pastor Clay explain today, rebellion was truly at the heart of the problem. Whether it was the Israelites refusing to believe God, the angels refusing to submit to God's authority, or the people of Sodom and Gomorrah refusing to accept God's morality, the root always comes back to rebellion against God. Our God is a loving, merciful, forgiving God, but His judgment comes when anyone, people or angels, are unwilling to acknowledge His authority over us. We certainly are living at a time where it seems that more and more people are rebelling against God. Is God going to judge the world? Absolutely. The only question is, are you and I ready? Are we submitting to God as God? And are we willing to let others know that judgment is a basic part of a proper understanding of our God? We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. 
God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. A new church for people like you. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.